Hey everyone, welcome to season three of the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, community advocate, and like you, I'm a leader who is learning and growing every day. I've worked with a lot of teams and leaders over the years. I've really seen what works and unfortunately, what hurts. Right now, we are going through a massive shift in the workplace with the great resignation, remote work, hybrid work, diversity and inclusion, and overall sense of overwhelm and burnout. As leaders, it's easy to get lost in the many competing needs for your time. I'm here to help you navigate your way through these waters, to present ideas to inspire and motivate, ultimately to help you create a thriving, sustainable culture which inspires your team and helps your business succeed. So let's get to it. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Teams with Edge. I am so excited. My guest this week is Melissa Giller. She is the CEO and founder of Life with Soul a personal development company specializing in teaching ambitious and driven women to identify their fears, their patterns, and their energy leaks in order to create balance, alignment, and a life of intention. Melissa is also a newly minted podcast host herself. Her podcast, Life with Soul, launched this past May, and I was so thrilled to be one of her first guests. Melissa, welcome. Thanks, Ashley. It's so great to have another conversation with you because I loved the first one, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. And even just reading what you're about, um, we are so aligned. And so I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast so we can talk all things self-leadership. But before we do that, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you and what drives you? Okay. So I am a Canadian girl. I am from Winnipeg, born and raised, living in the prairies. Um, Recently, my family and I actually moved out to our dream home on an acre and a quarter of land just outside the city. So my life is pretty, as you mentioned, one of intention. Um, Most important things to me are my family, spending time with them, spending time outside in nature and really connecting with myself and my, my vision. I feel like I I came to this planet to evolve and I'm constantly faced with reasons to do so, especially lately. And um, I love it actually. Like the, the whole personal development journey, I feel like is um, kind of the point to life. If you're not seeking change, if you're not seeking to evolve and ultimately find more happiness, I just don't know. It feels like a waste <laughs> to me. Yeah. yeah. That's such an interesting way to, to put it. And I don't think that, you know, I think there's almost like two types of people. And I used to be the type where it's just like, I just go through life. Like this is just doing life is living. And I definitely was that in that camp of, you know, I just wake up, I do the things I go to bed. And, you know, in the process, I'm building a life for myself. But once that cracked open for me, and I realized that I can be so much more intentional, I can be so much more thoughtful, mindful, um, and present, I think that's, 
like mm-hmm. a key piece to it all. It like, I don't see any other way now. I get why people are still like, I, I get it um, because I've been there, but I just see so much possibility and agree that you need to kind of just like do the things and, and make it all happen. Yeah. It's that fixed versus growth mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of being willing to question yourself. You know, we hear all the time, this is just who I am, or it's in the stars, right? It's just, that's part, that's who I am. And I mean, we can hear that on the individual or the, you know, corporate level that we've always mm-hmm. done it this way. It's like bleh, my worst expression of all time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We've always done it this way, or I've always been this way. It just doesn't cut it for me. I find like, if you're not questioning how you could do things maybe better or more simply even, um, yeah, that's just not for me. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, um, it kind of made me think about something because I, I talk a lot and people on, who listen to the show know I often relate a lot of leadership um, and self-development to parenting. And because I, I think you agree to like your kids show you so much and seeing life through the eyes of a child um, and watching them do things. You're like, whoa, why are you thinking like that? Um, and then you realize that you are the reason they think, they think like that. <laughs> but do you think that people sometimes don't want to change or don't want to look at things because they know that they play a role in it? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the uncomfortable work, right? And it's so easy to blame others or blame your circumstances, or again, kind of going back to that, like, this is just who I am. Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, yeah, if you're, if you're unwilling to examine your role or the patterns, I just don't expect how you can expect, you know, things to improve in some ways, because we all have areas of our life that we wish were different. And I once heard some really great relationship advice from a couple's therapist who says it takes two hands to clap, Mm. right? The conflict you experience in your relationships is that clapping sound, but absolutely takes two hands to make that noise. And so you can't look at your partner and say all the things that are happening in my relationship are your fault or the result of this one clapping hand that doesn't make sense. And so I find with relationships in particular, it's a delicate balance of changing everything about yourself and keeping who you are, because on some level you are required to grow and change and give up ways of being that aren't maybe conducive to a happy and healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that applies to work or parenting, whatever it is, if you're not willing to sort of examine the thought patterns or the like even trauma responses and little traumas, big traumas, whatever it is, the way that you were kind of conditioned to behave and think absolutely plays a role with your current state. Yeah. And that's really, you know, something that I think is that balance, right. That people struggle with of this is who I am and I should be loud and proud and nobody, I shouldn't change for anybody. Right. We often say like, let your voice be heard, be seen, go out there, be your authentic self. Right. We're throwing all of these pieces, but I think what people hear is, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, 
don't change for anyone. Yeah. Not even yourself. Right. And we get so like rooted in digging our heels in. I don't even want to say like planting our feet on the ground, right? It's digging our heels in to resist change, resist anybody's influence on us. But what we don't realize is that we've already had a whole lifetime of people's influence on us. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I even, I once had this client who blew me away in this and she said, you know, this past year of my life, I just made it my mission to question every single thing about myself, even down to my name. Like, why do I have this name? And what's that mean? And all this stuff. And I thought that was so inspiring because yeah, like what, what's yours, what's inherited, what's just adaptive behavior to fit in with society or your own familial expectations, or like, we think like the expectations we place on ourselves and all of those shoulds, if we don't question where they come from in the first place, we're just going to be, and I've been in this place, kind of living this life that's checking off the boxes and going towards where I think I need to be going without actually examining, do I want this? Does this matter to me? Is this even important? And I think we do that. I see that happen a lot. Um, but being that this is like a leadership and, and work focused um, <laughs> podcast, I'll use the example of, of career, mm-hmm. right? You're in high school and then you have to select a post-secondary path um, with the goal of what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and when you say things out loud, like as a kid, I want to be this or I want to be that have you questioned or looked at the reaction you get, mm-hmm. right? That sympathetic, oh, that's cute. Or the hell yeah, you should do that. Like monitoring those reactions that help drive your path, but thinking it's high school, set post-secondary, get a job, climb that corporate ladder, um, work to hit retirement. Yeah. Yeah. And better hope that you made the right choice in terms mm. of post-secondary because there's no going back. It back and you'll, yeah, there's no going back and you'll have loans and debt to pay off. So you better make sure it's right. And that's a lot of pressure. And mm-hmm. I think we've also you know, seen how many people give that up or like create something of their own with their blend of education or interest down the road, but not without, I feel like an existential crisis in between. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting too, when we start kind of like connecting this to self-leadership and the role that this plays in your life, because I think part of it is being curious about yourself, but also that intention to change or evolve or grow. If you are triggered by the word change, because I know some some people are, um, if that word doesn't sit well for you, it's grow or it's evolve. Um, you know, just figuring out for you, like what, what's your intention and what are you going to do to become the best version of yourself? And whether that's in social, yourself, um, your career, your parenting, your relationships, like however that shows up. But so speaking about self-leadership, why do you think we resist it so much? Like I see so many people not even looking inward, but they're constantly searching for leaders to follow. Mm -hmm. 
and almost like attaching themselves to other people, but not knowing themselves at all. Yeah. I think that, and I kind of reflect back on points in my life where I've been that and kind of what I was seeking. And Mm -hmm. ultimately I feel like there's an underlying fear, um, whether it's a fear of failure or judgment from other people, um, we seek out other experts, quote unquote, to give us a strategy or to give us the framework or a roadmap, because ultimately we don't trust ourselves to develop it ourselves or for us in this season um, that we're in and not knowing even that, you know, life takes many twists and turns and what you're doing right now for this kind of point in time doesn't necessarily mean that's how your life is going to look for every year after. So it's, I think being afraid to, to take that leap or to trust yourself. And it's easier to blame someone else if it doesn't go well, Mm -hmm. because if ultimately, if you take the career example, um, and you want to start a business and you reach out to a business mentor who has a like rinse and repeat this exact framework to get you from zero to six figures in six months and it doesn't work, you can say, ah, that was a bad investment. That was a bad mentor. The framework didn't work. It had nothing to do with my abilities. Mm-hmm. It's easy to place that blame onto someone else versus um, saying, okay, this person has come before me. They have a system. I can take what you know, mean something to me and make it my own. And if I fail, well, I hate the word fail. I don't believe in fail. I just think everything is an opportunity to learn. And some lessons are more painful or costly than others, but ultimately they're for your greatest good because you will learn something. And whether you're learning it because you sunk a lot of time, energy, money into it, or you're learning it because it gave you an emotional response it's all good feedback. So I think we resist ultimately um, kind of setting out our own path fearlessly because mm-hmm. we're just so afraid, afraid to fail or we have so much kind of perfectionism wrapped up into that. I think I totally identify with that as well. And as you were talking, I was thinking about you know why sometimes it's been hard for me even to to do that. And, and you're right. It, it does come down to, you know, di- for me, it's disappointing myself. Mm-hmm. And I see this showing up a lot right now, even with my son who, you know, when he goes to school and we're not going to talk about the school system and how it's like <laughs> so heavily um, built on like succeeding and failing, mm-hmm. but that whole, you know, putting in the effort, what I, what I notice about him and how it is, is me that we tell him to just try his best, right? right? We don't care about the mark and, but he cares about the mark. So he tries his best and he gets a B and I'm happy with that, right? Because he tried his best, Mm -hmm. but he's sitting there thinking, ah, my best was only a B. Yeah. But then the next time he doesn't try his best and maybe he gets a B minus and he can say to himself, I know I didn't even really try. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's that like almost that negotiation you make with yourself of if I don't go all in 
if I don't really try to lead myself, if I don't really try to show up for myself, I can't be disappointed if I don't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that famous quote? You miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Right. And I mean, on my parenting journey, my son is five and a half. So he's really just start. He just graduated from kindergarten. So Aww. he's really just starting. But I see this, for instance, on his bike. He fell off his bike on the weekend. And, um, you know, he was a little shaken at first. But then my greatest joy was he got up and said, like, but that's okay. I have to fall down to learn. And I was like, yes, if you've absorbed this at five, please don't ever forget that and just keep that with you. And I I know as a parent, that's going to keep coming up and needing to be worked on and, and reinforced. But I think if we can help our little ones adapt that mindset from early on. It's so helpful because yeah, he sees, and I, I try to enforce with him all the time, you know, like, Ooh, I, I tried really hard at something and it didn't go the way that I thought, you know, we sit around and and talk about our favorite parts of the day at dinner. And I often bring up when I had a win at work today and, you know, or something that didn't go well, I do try to share my takeaway with him in hopes that he starts to see that, whether it's like personal or professional or school related, trying your best is really all we can ask for. But I am nervous and I know we don't want to get into the whole thing, but um, yeah, the kind of societal expectations and pressure that happen anyways, when you're Mm -hmm. in a system that's pass or fail really does start to play a role. So it's like, as parents, we always know our kids are going to get competing information and have to make the choice themselves really of who they want to be and how they want to think and and whatnot. So, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's like, for me, what has really pushed me to lead myself better Mm -hmm. and whatever your reason is, you know, mine just happens to be because I see my son doing things and I realize I am his closest, maybe most influential um, coach or mentor or leader at this time as his parent, that when I see him struggling with certain things, or I see him blaming other people, or I see him doing these things, I think I have to, like, I have to really hone my self-leadership skills and my responsibility for my actions and taking accountability for the type of life I want to lead so that I can teach that to him mm-hmm. because it's really hard to teach something that you don't know how to do. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so when I think about self-leadership um, and even having really good leaders or even being a part of a really great team, nothing is really going to change or evolve um, or grow without self-leadership. What do you think about that? I agree. I think that at at first glance, it's the first step, even in self-leadership is noticing what's working and what's not working Mm. and experiencing those moments of kind of contrast in our lives and saying like, this doesn't feel good to me. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to do this job. I don't want to be in this relationship. I don't want to think this certain way, like whatever it is. And then taking the steps to actually evolve, as we've said, and to grow. And so I think that um, 
sorry, what was your, what was the question? <laughs> Just like, do you see that change is possible without self-leadership? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I no. agree though too. Yeah. What you were yeah, saying. And it's like, I often ask, you know, my clients, like if you, um, if you don't work on this piece in your life, like what will happen in the next six months mm-hmm. to a year? And they always say, it's either going to be the same or it's going to be worse. Cause I'm going to feel disappointed that I didn't mm. do something. I'm going to feel frustrated. I'm going to feel stuck and mad at myself. Right. And to go back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because we ultimately like, we want to avoid feeling angry at ourselves. We want to avoid feeling frustrated. We want to avoid feeling stuck. And the only way to do that is to consciously and intentionally make the shifts towards what you actually do want. And whether that is an improved relationship or a new job or a different way of thinking, you actually have to go after how to do that and, and lead yourself forward. And that's the piece, right? So that's where the work is. And I think that's also where so many people just don't take action. I have so many conversations with leaders and their teams and they know this, right? To have this conversation, I'm sure everyone listening, you know, if you want something to change, you have to take steps to change it. But we get so stuck on the implementation or actioning things. And, and I think it partly is because of that perfectionist attitude. Um, we want to do it at the right time. I'm air quoting here. <laughs> um, the right time when everything is ready. And this, you know, it's almost like this, like, prescribed situation has to be really perfect. So it's, we're looking for perfect. Um, we're looking for everyone else to be ready, you know, our kids out of the house or once summer's here or once this, we just wait too long. It's all excuses and procrastination at its finest. And I really think too, that when we're in a situation that it's like, okay, I know I don't want this. I know I want that, but getting there seems super overwhelming. And it's like, mm-hmm. what's the strategy? What's the, what's the way through and all this stuff. It's like, what would happen if you just paused and gave yourself space and kind of like time to develop almost like your spiritual connection or your, your connection to yourself. And it's like, it's unplugging sometimes and going for a long walk or having a hot, long shower. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm trying to figure something out in my mind and like pushing and giving myself a headache and just not kind of getting there. And then I let it go. I'm in the shower the next day and, oh, well, maybe this could work. And this might be a, an idea. It's like allowing yourself space to dream and be mm-hmm. creative too. Because I think that when we're so inundated and, you know, we've talked about energy leaks and things like that, but when we're so inundated with our day-to-day, it can feel really difficult to get out of that status quo or the problems we find ourselves in. If we're not allowing that sort of space to just rest and flow and allow creativity to take over. Yeah. Well, and you said a couple of things there that I want to build on. I think part of it too, that, you know, the not knowing where to start because it feels so overwhelming. So I think that that's where 
a leader or a coach can really help. That's, you know, that's the role for that person, you know, not a scapegoat, but a true coach who's going to remind you of what your goals are, remind you of your intention, help hold you accountable with like love and compassion and not, you know, people are also scared of the word accountability, but you know, that's what that role is for, not someone to do it for you. Right. And the other piece is that it is going to take time. We're in this world and I've talked about a couple of different podcasts that it's this, I need it now. This immediate gratification of, I want to change my eating habits. I'm starting right now. And it's like that all or nothing. And I want it to be easy. I want to see change immediately. But what you're saying is sometimes it's okay to just take the space, to pause, to go really slow with it and see change happen over a course of time. That feels uncomfortable too. Isn't sustainable change what we want ultimately? I mean, when we think about diet and exercise, I don't know about you, but I have stopped and started so many different programs over the course of my life and never had success with it. And it wasn't really until I took the more intuitive route and just this is kind of how I like eating. And I know that these things are important to have. And, um, you know, first you have to maybe work on just drinking water as a start before you're eating all the kale. Like if you can't handle a kale smoothie, or if you can't drink all of your water for the day, you're not going to be drinking a kale smoothie. right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's being okay. Taking baby steps. Yeah. And And that's, you know, you think about your son learning how to ride a bike or a child learning a new skill. They don't do it the first time they try it, but we expect ourselves to do it the first time we try it. Oh yeah. And there's so much, again, when you, like, when you look externally and when you're saying this, I'm thinking of my own kind of entrepreneurship journey over the last two years and thinking like, okay, well, I came from a really successful corporate career. So I'm going to launch this business and it's going to take off. I'm going to make thousands and you know five figures in two months kind of thing and it's like oh reality check (laughs) that's not what happens and then it's often that you could you know I'm two years in and at any point in time I could be like well my sales aren't what I want them to be but I take that bigger picture and look well look at how they've grown though month over month and you know from one year to two years what a difference it's made and like being able to give yourself grace compassion and stop comparing and know like there is no quick fix like I don't you're not gonna make six figures in a month it's just not gonna happen so but we put so much pressure on ourselves and again yeah like we wouldn't expect that of our children so why do we do that to ourselves like why do we think or it's like we try one thing in our business and it doesn't work and therefore I don't know what I'm doing I suck at this I'm just gonna give up right Well, and that's where I think that skill of self-leadership is so important. And not many of us, depending on how old we are, were really raised that way, right? We weren't raised to, you know, really challenge ourselves or talk to ourselves positively. It was very much like, go with it, right? Um, Do as I say, not as I do, just 
all of that. And now we're reflecting back and we're trying to make changes. But that's where that self-leadership comes in to say, why am I talking to myself this way when I would never, ever coach or talk to or lead someone else that way? Now, if you're one of the old school leaders who does not believe in um, a human first approach, you're probably not listening to this podcast <laughs> anyway, but you're also probably not talking to yourself that way. So, you know, it starts with how you question yourself in a loving way. It's about how you talk to yourself with compassion. And like you said, giving yourself grace to say, okay, what did I learn from this? And what can I do differently next time? Um, it's like the ability to pick yourself up instead yeah, of relying like on other people. The age old, you can't love anyone else until you love yourself. It's you can't lead anyone else until you can lead yourself. Yes. You can't really do anything for anyone until you can do it for yourself. And mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, it's so true because we, um, and I mean, I, I find myself in these places sometimes where I'm like, okay, well, how would I coach a client here? How, what would I tell my kid about this? Or I've, I've posed that even to my husband when he's having a tough time, like, what would you tell our son about this? And it's like, sometimes taking yourself out of that first person headspace, or is it third person? I don't know, whatever it is, taking yourself out of out of that spot. Yeah. That spotlight though. Yeah. And just saying like, okay, well, how would I coach someone else that I care about? And even with clients too, if they're stuck on something, it's like, what would you say to a friend? And it's Mm -hmm. so different than what they'd say to themselves. So we are just naturally um, conditioned to be rougher on ourselves. And once we start to shift that internal narrative, I see it happening everywhere. It shifts how you parent. It shifts how you relate to your partner. It's just how you talk to people at work or the cashier at the store. Like everything changes when you can be kinder to yourself. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a, it is a really a game changer and it's not about gloating or being conceited or you know all of those things that kind of because I also think that we've been told not to pump ourselves up right there's all these examples of people who are are portrayed in a negative way because they love themselves right and and we understand that 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 may be an overcompensation or you know but we've heard all of these stories and anytime i ask myself you know when i see someone and i'm like oh man they are doing this and like look how proud of themselves they are i often like ask myself like why like i feel bothered by that sometimes and i'm like why mm-hmm. and is it a is it me like wishing i was more like that is it me seeing that maybe they're not actually truthful in how they're feeling that it is that overcompensation, like mm-hmm. just trying to be really curious, I think about why things trigger you or why things motivate you, why something doesn't motivate you. Um, for me, that was like the very first step to mm-hmm. self-leadership was asking myself, like, why am I feeling this way? 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's like asking the, the getting curious, like what, yeah. When you feel triggered, like, what is it? Is it that I'm jealous or is it that I'm judging um, them or do I want what they have? What part of that, you know, is it, is it resonating with me kind of on a, on a physical level? Like we can feel it in our body. Um, and a lot of times it's too like conflicting messages we've received. And especially as women, I mean, like, don't be too loud, but also as you said, like, oh no, shine girl, like show everything. Um, don't be afraid to be who you are, but don't be too much. Don't be too proud. Don't be too expressive. I mean, I remember my grade one teacher told my parents that I was, I think the word was like too expressive. I was too, just too much. I was too Mm -hmm. loud, too boisterous, too creative. Like I was a very like free spirited child and enthusiastic about shame on you. Shame on me. What a horrible (laughs) quality. And so in university, I found myself afraid to raise my hand or I turn like beat red if I had to talk out loud because I felt I had something to say, but then, and, and I wanted to, and it was this dance. Like I, I did put my hand up. I did share ultimately, but not without shame, not without right. like fear. Or questioning yourself of like, right. is this the right thing to be doing right now? And it goes back to what you said at the very beginning about why we resist self-leadership. And it's because we don't trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. but it's really just if you can start writing down all of the stories that you've been told so as you get curious and you start questioning like where this belief comes from or why you feel this way there's a story attached to it and so really exploring your stories and who gave them to you is is a really interesting and mm-hmm. very freeing I find. Yes, absolutely. And I love something like that as simple as kind of like a downward arrow technique. It's called Mm -hmm. when you think about a fear and it could be, you know, like um, a trigger, a fear, something you can kind of handle, like put your hand handle on it and say, I'm afraid of my uh, child becoming an addict or something, right? Like this big, huge fear. It's like, because ultimately, what would that say? It would say, I didn't raise them well. It would say, I gave them all this stuff to carry. It would say, I was a bad parent. It would say, I'm worthless as a human. Like, yes, we kind of right, like, you would just down. Like, go down. Yeah, at the base of it, there is some core fear or feeling of inadequacy mm-hmm. and worthiness, something about ourselves that we don't really want to look at but where it's popping up on the surface level as a symptom of something else. Yeah. And that can really like, even just in that, that kind of worry and those symptoms showing up, like that's so draining. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of, I don't want to say wasted energy, but it's more just like energy that you don't even realize you're spending somewhere when you could be investing it somewhere else. Yeah. And it's funny how those fears like (laughs) pop up because it could be like a fear like that would be for me in, in my past. And even, I mean, it's a conscious kind of work to not do it now, but it's like, let's say my son and I, or have a younger child, um, we have a conflict and I have, you know, lay down a boundary and it's like, he's upset. And then I like, my fear could spiral 
right? Of mm -hmm. am I doing the right thing as a parent? If I make him really upset, is he going to turn into an addict down the road? Like it's just, it's, it is funny in some ways how our fears and our unchecked thoughts can just go and spiral. I'm, I'm speaking for myself. I assume mm -hmm. many others are like this, but no, um, you're, the, you're the only one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only one was spiraling that, but that's why it's so important to just like be curious about your thoughts and, mm -hmm. and not judge them. Like, and that's how I, I try to teach my clients is like, look, we all have thoughts that are not so nice. They're ugly. We don't want to look at them. We don't want to write them down or say them out loud or admit to anyone that we have them, but they're like, a thought isn't real. A thought isn't who you are. A thought isn't like something physical. It's just like this construct. And so if you can stop judging it, mm -hmm. just be curious about it. Like, oh, hmm, why would I think that? Downward arrow. Why yeah. would I think that? What's going on? And there's going to be a nugget in there for you to kind of go, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it's something I can work on, right? Yeah. I can work on if I don't want to feel this way, what's the opposite of that? And how can I feel more like that? <laughs> well, and I like that, like the, how can I? Yeah. Because I see this like popping up so much with a lot of my clients as well is this whole, like, I can't. Yes. Oh, yeah. we can't change that because, or yeah, I can't do that because of, and it's usually another person or some unwritten rule or <laughs> This is how we've always done it. But that being curious about like, is it true? Like, can't you? Or what can you control, right? If you can't control the office, you know, dress code, yeah. <laughs> what can you control, right? Yeah. I always like to find, and that's again, like where I've really leaned into my self-leadership is understanding very clearly what I can control and what I can improve mm -hmm. and being curious when those thoughts come up about like, Oh, I can't because you know, Becky won't do her part. It's like, well, that's a story. And why mm -hmm. am I upset that Becky's not doing her part? What is that? Right. And is, is Becky the only option? Like, I yeah. feel like we just limit ourselves sometimes. I can't is like thinking there's just this option and I can't do that. So the, how can I opens up all this possibility? Because mm -hmm. if I then, well, then if it's not that, how can I do it? And all of a sudden, and again, it's like you get in that place of creativity um, and daydreaming and you might write a list of 10 things and one thing sticks one thing yeah. is like oh okay well yeah actually I can do that and I can do that yeah yeah and I think to just like that creativity and that being willing to try something different mm -hmm. you know that's where I see so many people getting stuck as well is they just not necessarily unwilling, but not knowing that they can do something different. And, yeah. and that's, again, like such a constricting feeling when you're working for a company or you're in a relationship or you're parenting, whatever it is, when you feel that you truly can't, or, you know, you don't even know that there's another way possible. So how do you, you know, work with clients to help them? get out of that stuck spot. Yeah. I think one thing too, um, that's coming up for me is like, we're allowed to change our minds mm. and what worked at one point doesn't need to be the way it is forever. Or even if it's like, okay, so how can I, I'm going to try this. Like I, 
I really try to teach this like experimental mentality to my clients. Like everything's an experiment. Just try it. If you don't like it, fine. At least you did it. Right. Or mm-hmm. you do it for a little while and then you figure out this isn't working for me anymore. If that's okay. You're allowed to change your mind. Like, I think we get so hung up on this. If I make this decision, that's it. Right. right. And part of trusting yourself is trusting yourself to, to leap and to make a mistake and, and know that you can find your, if you found your way into it, you can find your way out of it. Right. And that's, for me, opening them up to, again, this kind of place of possibility or um, experimentation. So I think um, stuff like that. And then again, really, yeah, doing the, the thought work and the mindset work to question the beliefs and the stories and the what ifs, because so much of the time it is fear holding you back. It's always some form of fear. So, yeah. And I think too, even the not taking ownership over your role in something is rooted in fear. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you fear what you'd have to, what you would have to change or what you would have to admit out loud or to somebody else, or, you know, it's just a form of resisting kind of all aspects of ourselves. And I really don't believe in, in most things like in good or bad, this like Mm -hmm. black, white, like so much of who we are, two sides of the same coin, like our strengths and our weaknesses are often kind of the sliding scale of equality, right? So oh yeah, my wife yeah. tells me that all the time. She's like, the yeah. same things I love about you, I tolerate. <laughs> totally. Yes. <laughs> like exactly. I'm aware. I'm very aware. Right. Yeah. It's like the same things that I find so fascinating and I just like adore about my son are the same things that drive me wild about it. Right. And Like, I think that's the way it goes. And, you know, that self-leadership piece, you know, I really see it as the way to help you become the best version of yourself. So if you are changing jobs or changing relationships or just evolving yourself or changing who you are in those relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where self-leadership really helps you become the best version of yourself and just being that person for yourself to pick you up, to speak nice to yourself um, so that you have that motivation that it can actually help you change your internal dialogue instead of waiting for someone else to come along and rescue you Mm -hmm. or set you on the path that they believe is best for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it might mean you need some different boundaries or even like understanding how to have stronger boundaries. Mm -hmm. You might need some communication improvements because again, communication goes inwards and outwards. So there's a lot of tools and tangible things that you can work on while making these shifts within yourself. Well, and I think you and I chatted about this on your podcast too, about how, you know, we get it with exercise, right? Eating healthy and exercising. You understand that you can't just exercise one time and have the body of your dreams, right? (laughs) You have to keep doing it. And when you stop doing it, things slip Yeah, or you go back, right? You, it's about consistency and maintaining it. And 
that's the same with the internal work as well, Mm -hmm. right? It's the consistency and the, you know, constantly working on things so that you can maintain and grow, but we don't get it. Like nobody has ever talked to us about it that way. We understand it with exercise. You know, Mm -hmm. you understand if you're training for a marathon, you have to do X amount of things, but nobody says that about, okay, you're starting a new job. What do you need to do to exercise your boundaries? Or what do you need to do to exercise your self-leadership? Or what do you need to do to exercise your communication skills? You just do. And then all of a sudden you have the exact same results because you didn't exercise. Exactly. Didn't practice. And it's so funny because I just started working with someone new who's all of this wrapped up in one package. (laughs) Basically (laughs) she has this like before and after kind of vision of herself. Mm. Like, oh, before I used to set goals. Oh, before I used to track how I was doing with them. Oh, before I used to journal every day. And so it's like, so she knows the things that would help her kind of move the needle in her life, but it's getting back into the habit of things. It's the practice. It's the exercise. Like when you do fall off those trains, yeah, you can expect to see the result somewhere else. And it's like with self-care, if I don't take that dedicated time for self-care, I'm a screaming emotional mess at my family members. So it's practice. And I see when I'm out of practice. You're like, whoops, I fell off that. I didn't do my morning routine. Like even one day, oh, I didn't get up before my kids. Oh, this isn't going well. I didn't practice this morning. No. I know. And and give yourself grace when it doesn't happen, right? We don't have to like be sergeants on ourselves. Exactly. As I say that as, because like I did not wake up before my son this morning. And I gave my pers- myself permission. I knew I did it and I did it intentionally. It was like, I'm letting myself sleep extra well, yeah. today. And, and, and that was my intention. Totally. When that's the intention, you can have more, more grace because mm-hmm. again, it's like, it's feeding something you need and that's okay. And so, yeah, it's all the, the intention behind anything that you do. Is this yeah. going to help me ultimately? And sometimes sleeping in helps me. And because I know that I'm not going to be making this elaborate breakfast. I'm just, you're having cereal and we're all yeah. taking it easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're all getting yourself ready today yes. and that's okay. Right. Totally. So Melissa, why don't you tell people a little bit about if they want to learn more about you or how you help people um, and we'll put it all in the show notes as well. Awesome. Well, perfect kind of with this conversation, I actually have a free resource called the ultimate self-leadership workbook Love it. So that on my website, melissagiller.com, just enter in your name and it'll be sent right to you. And in there, I address kind of the three common roadblocks that we face on our self-leadership journey. So we've touched a lot on the mindset work and the thought work involved. I touch on how to have communication with your family members to say, like bringing them on board for a change or a shift, how to really approach that, and then how to plan out those next steps in an aligned, intentional way. Um, You can also find me on Instagram. I'm at Melissa underscore Giller. And you mentioned my own podcast. It's the Life with Soul podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed having this conversation. I love when we can just honestly chat 
um, kind of forget that we're being recorded, but yeah, I know <laughs> it's, it's nice. And I, I love just, again, that constant reminder that it starts with us and we have to honestly like take control over our own lives and the results that we want to see. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here and hope everyone enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. I really appreciate it. All right, all. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Now, if you liked what you heard, don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the Teams with Ed podcast on your favorite podcast player. While you're there, leave us a review. It helps others find us and helps us grow our community. We want to hear from you. Share with me, what are your goals as a leader? What are your struggles? How about your successes? If you're interested in coaching, have an idea for the podcast, or just want to chat about your business challenges, you can find me on Instagram, where I'm ashley.livingstone. That's A-S-H-L-E-E dot L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E. Or LinkedIn. Now, that's always Ashley with two E's. You can also find me through my website, ourforte.ca, O-U-R-F-O-R-T-E dot C-A. Thanks, everyone.